app, the 64 gigabyte iPhone is leaked. Or has it? Wait, do we care? I don't know if we care. Plus, Verifone launches an attack on Square, but will their plan backfire with credit card users? Connects a Guinness World Record holder, Microsoft's working on Ventura, and HP is going to get their soul back. All that and more coming up. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by Cashfly at C A C H E F L Y dot com. is Tech News Today for Wednesday, March 9th, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at freshbooks.com. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Darren Kitchen. And I'm yeah. Shannon Morris. Yeah, go for it. I'm Jason Howell. <laughs> Shannon Morris is filling in for Tom Merritt, kind of, in a roundabout way. we got Thanks a so much thing for going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darren's in Tom's seat. I'm in mine. Shannon's Darren. It's and all good. Tom's off learning the binary language of moisture evaporators. Yes, for anyone who's thoroughly confused already, Tom's actually on a plane back from Florida, so he couldn't actually be on the show today, but he is listening, the chat room tells us. He's uh -oh. listening to the audio feed, and he's in chat, so we can't do anything too good kids. crazy. Um, Shannon agreed to sit in to round out our crew today. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having me. Um, Shannon, of course, uh, works closely with Darren on Hack 5, co-host, would you yeah. call yourself yeah, the co-host of Hack 5? As well as on Bike Club. That's as well true. as on Bike Club Bike and a legitimate friend of Twit. So thank you so much oh, for being you. here today. Uh, top stories today, we've got a, well, I don't know, we'll let you guys figure out if this is actually a top story or just a non-story. A 64 gigabyte iPhone has been found. Sweet. <gasps> yeah. Uh, uh, Mike Gadget yeah. were the first folks to report on the, uh, the, the 64 gigabyte iPhone 4 that apparently seemed legitimate. Uh, they, you know, anonymous source gave it to them, took a bunch of pictures on their website and said, well, this lo certainly looks like a lot like the prototype of the iPhone 4 that Gizmodo ended up getting their hands right, on. Right, the one got lost in a bar. About. Right. The lost yes. in a bar iPhone that we've all heard about. They ended up with the door being smashed in somewhere in Palo Alto. Oops. Ouch. So it looked, lo looked a lot like this. And Gadget ended up uh, doing a little bit more information. They went to a shopping mall in Hong Kong, found the same phone uh, because it's on the gray market there. It's selling for the equivalent of like 1700 US dollars. So Whoa. that's insanity. Doesn't really prove if it was a legitimate Foxconn prototype, which is what the, uh, the Mike Gadget source says it was. Serial number isn't actually valid, but the number does indicate uh, if it was valid, that the device was manufactured somewhere around early 2010. So that's pre-iPhone 4 yeah. anyway. So during the whole era where the original iPhone that was lost in a bar, this was kind of the serial numbers that match up with that? Exactly. Rather than, say, a serial number for, I guess, an iPhone 5? Right. Yeah, I wonder if they were planning in the first place to make an iPhone 4 that was 64 gigs, and then they just decided to scrap it and... Maybe that sounds a lot now. more, you know, it's interesting to have watched this story unfold throughout the day. At, at, at first, the story this morning was, oh my gosh, there's going to be a 64 gigabyte iPhone 4. I don't see why they would come out with a new one now with more Egg, capacity. Yeah, I mean, they didn't bump up from the, the capacity from 3GS, so... Ti yeah, timing very weird for this. Everyone's already talking about the iPhone 5 yeah. that is expected universally to be coming out later this year and possibly even 
uh, announced in April itself. So to be coming out with the, uh, an iPhone 4 that's going to be obsolete yeah. sooner rather than later. And also, you know, I have to say, you know, as far as storage capacity, 64 gigs is great. Um, I'm very happy with my 32, and I feel I'm like I'm happy with my 16. Yeah, so I don't there need you it. go. Yeah, and Apple's not known for fragmenting the, their product line like this. But you know what uh, Foxconn, unfortunately, is known for? What? Uh, I mean, of the 900 and some odd thousand employees that they have, uh, they have been you know, known for a case, especially within the, their Apple plants, of having uh, suicides, uh, specifically That's San... That's true. Uh, remember, we reported uh, San Dunyong. Uh, he was uh, 25 when he committed suicide in G uh, July 2009 after reportedly losing a prototype of the iPhone 3GS. So Jeez. let's just hope no one is committing Harry Carry over uh, over this. Certainly hope that. Um, you know, as far as Apple and, and rumors that it wants to go more to the cloud, it just it makes more sense that this was a scrapped model from last year. Someone has their hands on it now, and it's like, it's the 64 gig iPhone that never was. But it's pictures of an iPhone with exclusive silk of, Well, people <laughs> love that stuff, don't they? Yeah, it's, yes. it's the XXGB doesn't, doesn't. on the back. What could it mean? Ooh. Roman numerals. <laughs> um, also, in the, uh, you know, to, to, to further iPhone 4 rumors, new rumor that the elusive white iPhone, <gasps> never really seen in the wild, sort of seen, but, but suspected not to be the real thing, Apparently, to go into production and ship in April, according to uh, a source at Apple Insider, uh, Ming-Chi Kuo told Apple Insider that Apple has made changes to the film material to solve the full lamination problem. That was the reason why the white iPhones were delayed last year um, initially. And to that I say, we're over it. Yeah. yeah. It's a little late, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Eh. Unless, of course, it comes out in the 64 gigs. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even then, though, I mean, do you want an I iPhone 4 knowing that there's going no, to be an iPhone, an iPhone 5 no matter what the color is? Summer. Absolutely not. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, I, guess, I guess there are a few people out there who have held out hope that the white iPhone 4 yeah, would make like it. One. I know that I predicted on <laughs> forecast that it wouldn't happen. So right, because last we heard I'm about the iPhone. Last we heard about the white iPhone, it was not coming out because they're having some problems with the camera and it looking like it was being shot through like uh, cellophane. Yeah, or, yeah, or underwater. Or underwater or something, or something like, like that. that. Yeah, they've been plagued with problems. I mean, it's, it, Apple is, I mean, just short of actually come out and announced, we've, we failed. You know, there were color issues, there were supposed camera issues, there were, there were um, parts issues. Now, apparently, the white iPhone 4 may be able to be in your hot little hands by April, just in time for no one to care. Good work. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but just in time for you to go ahead and get yourself a little credit card reader for it. Just plugged right into the uh, headphone jack. Square is offering it, and you can uh, go ahead and get one unless, of course... Verifone convinces uh, their credit card processor to delist them. Yeah, so yeah. Square, for anyone who's not familiar, is uh, it's, it's a handy little service. Um, it's an app and a dongle um, duo that works on iOS, so iPhone or iPad. Um, and I, I'm not sure if it, if they have a Square app for Android yet. They do. They do. Okay, yes. so it's not just not just iOS, but that's that's the the Square app that I use. That's the neat used. thing about their dongle is it uses the headphone port to transmit audio back. And bas or, or basically, you know, an electronic pulse that it can then read. It's such an innovative way to not have to pay, you know, the license mm -hmm. for uh, actually creating an accessory that plugs into Apple's proprietary jack. 
Right. And uh, yeah, it's it's really neat. Yeah, so one. squares so cross compatible. It's it's the it's the small business solution, you know, or or it's if 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 Shannon owes me five dollars for that beer that I bought her last week, and I'm going to be a real stickler about the five dollars, we could make a pretty easy credit card payment. Yeah. You know, with my just iPhone, and my dongle, and you swipe your card, and it's got you know you uh, for uh, transactions, you give a little money to Square. That's how they make the money. It's kind of PayPal type fees. So in many ways, it's a very good solution for folks. However. Uh, big, big credit card uh, um, processing company, Verifone, has called out Square in a video that has since been pulled from YouTube. It was up this morning. Mm -hmm. That was very, um, it, was, it was sort of well-produced. Uh, uh, Verifone CEO uh, sitting on a nice plush couch. I'm yeah, just kind like of setting PSA the scene right here for anyone who didn't see it. Yeah, it looked like, uh, listen, we just want to alert your, uh, bring to your attention the fact that Square is um, extremely vulnerable to attack Anybody can, 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 what the, what, what Verifone is basically saying is you can spoof a Square app, you know, just make a logo that looks a little bit like Square app. So it's something that looks a lot like the app. Someone gives you this, uh, you know, swipes their, their credit card through the dongle and now you've got all their information. Now the video is misleading though, because not only does it kind of, kind of seems like one of these political attacks, you know, where a politician is saying, now listen. Here's what the other candidate is going to do to you to ruin your life. Yeah. Let me count the ways. <laughs> but the video also has a has a um, had a page that zooms in on the the social security information, which is something that you have to give Square. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to just have to have to have a social security number in order to have a Square account. But that's not something that someone can glean from your credit card, as far as I know. All that they can get from this, right. if somebody were to spoof it, is the information that's. They printed can get on the, the card, card itself. Number, the expiration date. They can get the name of the person, and well, that's really about it. Yeah, they don't get the zip code of the billing address. They don't get the billing address at all. They don't get the security code on the back of the card, the CCV. Yeah. Not the address. Not none of that. And yeah. at the, the major complaint here that he's calling out, though, is that the device transmits supposedly transmits the information from the dongle to the app unencrypted. The app itself doesn't store the information, uh, or if it does, it's encrypted, uh, and and otherwise it wouldn't be within compliance, and they wouldn't even be able to offer this service, mm -hmm. you know, through mm -hmm. their uh, through who is it, J.P. Morgan? J.P. Morgan, yeah. There's there's no information through Visa, Mastercard, or J.P. Morgan Chase, for example, that says that information has to be encrypted when it's transferred, because if it was, you wouldn't be able to get the credit card number and be able to make that payment. So it's it's kind of. We are here today to demonstrate. Oh look, there's yeah, our video yes, after all. Our video. Yeah, so for anybody who's who's not watching this video, this is kind of Verifone's. They, they walk you through how scary Square is and how 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 how, uh, how affected you may be and how you have your your um, credit information stolen. <laughs> also, at about the one minute mark, I don't know if we'll be able to play that. Oh, here we go. Criminal creates a fake Square app on their smartphone. The dongle, obtained for free from Square is inserted into the audio jack of a smartphone or an iPad. The fake app is launched and your card is swiped. You have just had your card skimmed right before your own eyes. Your personal credit card data is then instantly and illegally captured in the smartphone, unencrypted. The glass blower who just stole your credit card blower. is now going to buy a big screen TV what? online in your name. Yeah, now, what, what's that all about? Can we talk about, about why glass, glass blowers <laughs> have got such a bad rap all of a sudden? Well, because glass blowers want to buy a big screen TV that they probably couldn't have shipped to them anyway because, you know, who's going to verify, who's going to allow that? 
Like, I mean, I understand that he's saying that, oh, you know, Square is giving out this dongle for free that allows anyone to, you know, unencrypt it. I mean, how uh, pull the data off of a MagStripe reader. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that you right. couldn't get any other, like, USB MagStripe reader and do the exact same thing. That's You've just been able to get work. those for, for years and years. You could buy those things off of eBay for, like, 10 bucks. Right, we've got and one. And they could read them. There, there's one that we're pulling up here uh, from Deal yeah, Extreme. There you go. Uh, there's actually a $30 one that's a reader. This one right here is $72 reader is a reader writer. and writer. And then they sell $3 blank cards. So you could like clone cards with this. Now, you know, an, an opposite side of this argument, and a lot of folks were bringing this up on Twitter, because I tweeted about this this morning just to kind of gauge people, you know, whether they were enraged by the video or they thought that Verifone was, was, was providing a good service, you know, kind of a PSA of sorts. Um, what people seem to be upset about mostly is the approach that Verifone took here. It yeah. wasn't just like, hey, there's an issue here, heads up. They actually have a sample skimming app that they're encouraging folks to download from yeah. a website. It's sq.skim.com. This is totally like the whole hacker full disclosure thing, but in the bank industry. And it's really interesting to see them now okay. have to go through the same kind of scrutiny where people are like, oh, you shouldn't have just released that exploit to the wild. And, you know, other people will be like, well, you have to contact the vendor and all this. You know, there's a, there's a procedure for this. And yeah, I, in this case, I think that they totally should have used the procedure, and that is, you know, talking to Square contact and talking to contact JP Morgan. JP Morgan Chase and have them find Square for doing it the wrong way, or have them be able to fix it before they ruin this relationship that they could have with customers potentially. Or see if it even is actually out of compliance, because mm -hmm. I mean, really, what he's arguing here is that the free device is transmitting unencrypted between the actual dongle and the software, and I guess. Square could have spent the, the few extra bucks or cents or whatever it is to manufacture these so that they would actually encrypt it when they read it and then transmit it in, a, in an encrypted way. And then the app would have a, uh, you know, know the, the private key so that it could understand that. And at least that way you couldn't write a, a clone app that would be able to read it off of that card. But that's yeah. not to say, but that's still not saying that, that the, uh, the underlying you know, foundation of the whole credit card system isn't flawed to begin with, with the, you know, the magnetic stripe readers that you can just get anywhere. It's not like chip and pin like they have, you know, over the palm. Yeah, the U.S. should just and, change. And like what's also interesting about this is, you know, here's Verifone talking about how insecure it is, and yet they offer a competing product. They do. They have the Payware Mobile, and it's like, it's a docking station that you can connect to your iPhone, and it does pretty much the exact same thing. So I really think that they're just trying to ruin the reputation of a competitor over anything else. What are you showing me, Darren? Yeah, that's, a, uh, that's actually a sample card that I found, uh -huh. that I got at RSA. This is one of these chip and pin that I'm talking about. But this one actually has an LCD in the top right, and, oh, uh, and yeah. you can actually enter in the password wow. right there on the, the little digits and stuff. I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's a fundamental flaw in the way that the current system is, and that's why there are so many, like, fraud uh, prevention and, and alerts and stuff that say, oh, well, who fills up their gas tank three times in an hour? You know, things like that. So, alerts. I mean, it sounds like everyone agrees that the system as a whole is flawed. Uh, it's not yeah. a system, uh, it's not a flaw within Square itself. And you've got a big company, successful company, going after a very small, uh, by comparison, startup who's, who's, you know, somewhat beloved, who Verifone clearly considers a competitor. And, you know, it comes off as being unfair or bullish, I it guess. It does. Like, I, I trust Verifone from the relationship that I used to have with them when I worked at a credit card processor. And I've never heard of Square, but I, I have a feeling that if I had never seen this video, then I would have given them a chance. Right. Well, there you go. We'll have to see how Square responds. Uh, the uh, initial Verifone video that was that was posted to YouTube 
uh, on the Verifone account has since been pulled for, um, what was it, copyright issues. So <laughs> we'll have to see how this plays out. Uh, we'll keep you guys up to date. Uh, on a lighter note, we have got a new Guinness World Record holder, everybody. And the name is Connect. What? what? Yes, Connect holds the Guinness World Record as the fastest selling consumer electronics device ever. I thought that was like really? the iPad. Yeah, I did Really? Too. That is incredible. It is. I mean, this is like, Connect came out last year, mm -hmm. uh, summer, was it? Yeah. Or at least announced in the summer. Yeah. Uh, sold an average of 133,333 units per day. Wow. For a total of 8 million units in its first 60 days on sale from the 4th of November 2010. That's when it actually went on sale to the 3rd of January 2011. In that amount of time, it sold the most devices that any device has ever sold. Most oh. units sold. So that's like, I mean, huh. I think all the iPad hype, all of the stories we've heard about how iPad is crushing the industry and there's never been a device that sold as well as that. I mean, iPhone 4 numbers last year, very strong. Connect on top. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that you can, you can hack it? Hack the connect as opposed to like that's what I'd like to see is like the scale of you know as time progresses and then the point in time when the hacks came out and then you know what the sales yeah. jumps were because remember initially Microsoft was like we're gonna go after these dang hackers for hacking our stuff and hacking's bad and then all of a sudden it's like oh wait wait hacking wait sales are up uh uh yeah come over for tea <laughs> right, yeah. very true <laughs> they changed their tune quickly and uh I, you know they sold a lot of connects I, yeah that the hacking factor that's an interesting point. I guess, uh, I mean, it, it, it would, if you were interested in seeing uh, what you could do with one of these things, as we've set, shown on the show many times, people do all sorts of really cool things with connects or two connects or three connects, yeah. 3D minority. I'm just wondering if that's, that. the, if, the, if, if that's actually one of the factors in, in that trend, if it's there's a, really a spike to be that's a factor. A, I mean, th yeah. that's more people using it than have Xboxes because right. they're using it on their PCs, oh, true and, that. you know, yeah. for all there these other yeah. devices that may not have used it. Otherwise. I just think that's kind of a heads up to all other, you know, manufacturers coming out with products and going, oh yeah, actually maybe it's not a bad thing. People flash the firmware and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, jailbreaking is good. Well, Connect, yeah. we congratulate you on your world record, and we'll see if it holds up after Friday when the iPad 2 is released. Just a thought. After 60 <laughs> days from Friday. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, HP is to put a WebOS in every PC in 2012, or so says the HP CEO, Leo Apotheker. He promised this uh, during a presentation to um, HP Indian staff in Hyderabad, about 4,000 of them. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's, he said a lot of things. Uh, he, he, he was there par in part to, uh, to convince them that, um, that, that India was not, no longer going to be a, a low-cost labor and product development source as it was during the predecessor's tenure. That, of course, was Mark Hurd. Who oh, well, it's easy left to kick Mark Hurd when you're the new guy. reasons we don't have to get into. It's easy to, yeah, I mean, Mark Hurd, don't let the door hit you on the way out kind of thing, I'm sure. Yeah. That that gets a good, you know, a laugh or, you know, a clap or that sort of thing. And it sounds like he was being quite uh, self-deprecating as well. Yeah, he, he, he even went so far as to say that HP has lost its soul. This was in a separate interview that he did in, in Palo Alto around the same time. The first thing I wanted to do when I joined HP was listen to the people. The rank and file usually know about the shortcomings. Again, indicating that Mark Hurd did not. And whether that's true or not, uh, apparently WebOS, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's promised this. Oh my gosh, there's a spider on the table. Well, there's a spider on the table. Kill it, Sorry, kill it, Darren, kill it. I can't talk when there's spiders on the No worries, we are taking care of the spiders. Oh my situation. gosh, gross. Ew, it's one of those really light... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And Sorry. We don't want to look over okay. here. Okay. okay, so moving on. Never happened. Nope. Uh, 
so yeah, old Leo also said, um, uh, yes, WebOS would be in addition to okay. Microsoft Windows, and this is in order to expand the WebOS platform and make it more attractive to developers. Right. That That's would. Cool. That yeah. definitely would. However, this is one of these things where, like, the register is actually speculating that rather than kind of like what I originally envisioned, oh, dual booting, right? Kind of like how uh, a lot of uh, yeah, Asus machines have that, like, um, it's, it's actually called Splash Top, where you can, you know, boot it up with one power button to go into Windows or another power button to go straight into this instant on. It's actually running from within the BIOS mm -hmm. uh, OS that just got a web browser and maybe Skype or something to get you going. But um, now that uh, the register is actually speculating that it'd probably be more something like the WebOS execution environment, which is what the developers use actually with, you know, Oracle's virtual box to go ahead and run stuff. And I got to say, if it's WebOS running inside of Windows, that's not nearly as compelling because you got to figure this is actually the like you know, the next big thing for PC, that that whole instant on experience that we've been all craving after forever. And these right. these big dog OSs like, you know, OS ten and uh and, and Windows and, and Linux to some extent have always taken, you know, anywhere like the best you can get are maybe maybe 10, 15 seconds to boot and minutes in some cases. And then you have the, the newcomers, you know, we're all expecting this instant on stuff with our iPhones running iOS and our Android devices. And then Chrome enter, you know, Google enters with the Chrome, you know, those, those, I've had the chance to play with the CR48, so you boot up like that, right? Mm -hmm. So I could imagine it'd be really cool to have WebOS just boot like that. And I think that's really kind of the new front for... Uh, for uh, laptops there. Well, certainly what um, what HPCEO is hoping that we'll think, wants people to get excited, and certainly wants his own company to stand behind him. So we'll see if he's true to his word and WebOS shows up in every, every HPPC in 2012 anyway. Uh, moving on to some rumors within Microsoft. Uh, these uh, relate to some music video services. And Darren and Yay, I both music, music videos video from services. Microsoft. <laughs> Is this like exact, MTV? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All of us thought yeah, YouTube. initially... Ooh, what's Microsoft doing? They're go, taking on Viacom. Cool. Dude, do it. Go to go to micro, go to YouTube and, and search Microsoft Music Video. You'll ton, find a ton from the nineties. I was watching one last night oh, from God. DOS 5, 5.0 or five point oh. two upgrade. Actual old commercials. Yeah, like old commercials. Oh, it's so good. Unfortunately, this uh does not relate to any of those cool old commercials, oh. but it still might be cool. Um Mary Jo Foley over at ZDNet, um, she's got a few tipsters because she knows all about the Microsoft pen apparently. Uh, a new music slash video service called Ventura is the name of a set of services uh, being developed by Microsoft's Entertainment and Devices Unit and will focus on music and video discovery and consumption, sounding as though they include recommendations, ratings, and comments. Now, of course, anyone familiar with Zune Marketplace might say, isn't this isn't what Zune Marketplace is supposed to be doing? Yes, um, and at this point, no one's really sure whether Ventura is the updated, better, uh, new, improved Zoom. Yeah, is it going to replace it? Would it somehow complement the Zoom marketplace? I think that seems Maybe. unlikely because why would Microsoft want to confuse people with two different marketplaces unless they're selling very different things? I mean, music and video, I don't know how you can really pull those Well, obviously, apart. uh this is going to be an innovative new service because if you read the job listing, it, they tell, they say right there that they're they're looking for some engineers to help drive some great new innovation, and then they go on to say we include incubate, innovate, and iterate, huh? And <laughs> yeah. then later on, the the position yada 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 direction and drive innovation and yada 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 developers that like to drive innovation. This is, there's innovation like five times in this. 
great. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's job it's listings, job listings. within Microsoft. Uh, they're certainly hiring for something. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's this Ventura project. You know, it's 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 interesting to speculate. Um, for those, you know, I don't I don't have a Zoom, so I'm not. You know, this is not really anything that I would compare. If Ventura is a you know slam dunk hit out of the park. That's great. Um, but I think for folks who uh, use the Zoom marketplace and maybe have some qualms with it, uh, maybe they can they can uh, they can see a better product. Also, there's the possibility that Ventura may be bundled in with future Xbox consoles or Windows phones. That would be cool. Uh, Windows PCs even. So, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity here. Uh, it just remains to be seen how it's actually going to play out. Um, new rules for companies who use cookies to get information about their users to make sure that their users get appropriate advertising targeted at them um, are going to have to rethink uh, the way that they do things. The European e-privacy directive, which is going to come into force in the UK anyway in late May, is demanding explicit consent must be gathered from web users who are being tracked via cookies and marketed to based on their internet habits. Uh, excluded in this directive are cookies that log what people have put in online shopping baskets, but that's pretty much it. Everything else, what they're saying is, listen, come end of May, um, when, when, when this directive gets up and running, companies will have to explicitly tell you that they are tracking you, and here's how they're tracking you, and give you an option to opt out. However, exact steps that businesses must take to comply with the law and gain customer consent are still being drawn up, and they're not complete, and they won't be until the end of May. So it's sort of like, hey, businesses, uh, start thinking about, I don't know, invasive pop-ups or otherwise really upsetting customers with annoying ways to let them know that they need to be opting out for cookies. But we're not really going to tell you what you have to do. Right. I I could understand if maybe they were putting together like a guideline of, oh, here's how we suggest that you put something in your privacy policy and some sort of uh, mechanism where people can, you know, a a default mechanism. I mean, this coming off the heels of Firefox's uh, recent uh, update uh, that allows you mm-hmm. to do the no tracking thing. So it's, it's you know, the whole cookie uh, privacy issue is starting to heat up. But then again, also, didn't they put an exception in here for certain kinds of cookies? Yeah, yeah. The, um, the what is exempt is the... Uh the uh, shopping cart. Yeah, ones, right? so I mean, which which is that's kind of silly. I mean, obviously, <laughs> because if something's in your shopping cart, you are buying it. Yeah, <laughs> try to go to really Amazon without cookies. To. Turn off cookies. Go to buy. Try to buy anything. You would yeah. break it. No, not <laughs> yeah. happening. When was I here last? We don't know. And no. you know, we're they're not they're allowed not, to do this. You opted are, out. They're not really being particular about how. Uh, you should go ahead and implement such a system, mm-hmm. nor are they being particular about how they might actually go after companies that don't have such a system. Ed Vizzi, Minister of Culture, went ahead to say that, you know, they don't expect the information uh, commissioner to, or they don't expect to take enforcement action in the short term against businesses and organizations that aren't working out how to address the use of cookies, and that basically they're just going to be watching these organizations and and, and that, uh, so it doesn't sound really hard hitting except for that, they said later on that, uh, you know, if you were in violation, it, it would really depend on what kind of steps you were taking towards being a good net citizen. Or yeah, they, they went on to say also, this isn't a get out of jail free card, you know, this whole waiting period right now. It's kind of like, hey, businesses, start thinking about what you're going to have to do to make sure that um, you're, you're working uh, within our guidelines. And then, of course, there's the larger argument that we've talked about a lot on the show in the past of, of whether... It really matters, you know, yes, people need to understand how cookies work. They should be given an option to opt out. 
um, is uh, some sort of a splash page um, that now shows up at Amazon, you know, your favorite site that you're using, letting you know of all these rules. I mean, that can be messy. Um, it can kind of, I don't know, take a user experience down a notch. So there's all sorts of ways that if there's, if there's not a really clear directive where everyone's got to do things the same way or at least in a similar way, that it can, yeah, it can sort get of really messy. <laughs> Wild West. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, maybe that's what, you know, the double clicks of the world will do. You know, it will be like buried under some sort of, because uh, with no clear directives from, you know, uh, European law saying, here's the way that you need to implement this, then, mm -hmm. uh, then, yeah, go ahead and bury it in the privacy policy. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see uh, what, what um, genius ways uh, companies come up with to let you know that you are being tracked and let you opt out if you want to. A uh, new study, um, and I'm liking, I, I like to call this study the Captain Obvious study. Uh, it's, it was actually a, an annual study by the U.S. Uh, or the Poneman Institute. It's called the U.S. Cost of Data Breach that says negligence is the cause of most data breaches. Malicious or criminal attacks are the most expensive and they make up the fastest growing category, but negligence is the most common threat with 41% of all security breaches. Uh, this is a yeah. 2010 study. <laughs> mm. It's also a study sponsored by Symantec, which is another Captain uh, Obvious figure. little part of this. Yeah, yeah I uh, wonder if Symantec's actually the one that uh, also hosts or sponsors the data breach calculator. Oh, it is. Oh. Symantec <laughs> does host the data breach calculator, which I actually took because uh, Shannon and I with Hack5, we do an online store. So I was like, oh, you know, I followed the little calculator. It told us that we had a 2% chance of data risk within or a data breach within the next 12 months and that based on our record or, or what I've provided with them that it would cost us about six hundred and fifty seven thousand dollars Shannon wow yeah and that's why we are partnered with a storefront that has PCI compliance and all of that good stuff so that we never yep. actually see any of that information so it is interesting, um, you know, they, they do make sure to mention that criminal attacks are, are a component, they're rising, and they make up about 31% of all breaches involving malice or crime. So that is something to be concerned about. I'm not sure that a very um, a tricky, uh, smart criminal is going to be thwarted by Symantec, uh, which I guess is what they would want the solution to be. Maybe not. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah. Anyway, so don't be negligent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heads up. Don't do things people. wrong. Encrypt that laptop. Wrong. Or, or Symantec will be right and they win. Social security numbers in a text file on a thumb drive. <laughs> I mean, don't do that. Uh, good news for anybody looking to cut the cord or at least gives you another option to. Apple TV now has MLB TV live baseball and NBA live game streaming. Um, this is bundled in with the um, iOS 4.3 update that also applies to an Apple TV update, uh, which came out today. Uh, Roku and Boxy have had MLB for a couple of years, so yeah. Apple TV is certainly not first on this front, but it definitely puts, puts them more in the running with people who have cable, could like to get rid of their cable service. But sporting events, obviously, is a great reason that a lot of people just have to have live TV because otherwise, how are you going to get all that stuff? Yeah. Is NFL available and yet? Isn't the yeah. Not yet. Awesome. Not on the Apple TV anyway. And isn't that already on Still the thinking. iPad? Because it just uh, sounds like... Yes. Yeah, MLB TV is an iPad app. Sounds like iPad app kind of ported to Apple TV. I wonder if this will lead the way for more of that. You know, I it's interesting because uh, with iOS 4.3, AirPlay has gotten an update. So if you had the MLB TV app on your iPad, you could stream it to your Apple TV, as far as I understand. Mm -hmm. 
But this... This puts it right there. Well, I... Yeah. Don't even have to so open exactly. the... Exactly. So maybe you don't, you know, or you don't have an iPad or, it, you know, it's just something within your system itself. Oh, please. Or, if you've got an Apple TV, don't you have an iPad and an iPhone and an I, everything? Well, I'm joking. I'm joking. we do it at my like, house, but yeah. maybe not in yeah. every house. Yeah. Maybe not in every house. So that's pretty cool. Um, it'll be um, hard-coded into Apple TV like Netflix app is. Actually, so. this is just good to see the Apple TV getting some love because, you know, the first iteration of it kind of was ignored for a while. Yeah. Well, it's worth mentioning that the first iteration of the Apple TV does not get this update and will not have uh, MLB or NBA hard-coded in. So those folks are still left out in the cold. Uh, but that's how Apple likes to do things, you know? First-gen people. Make them upgrade. Sorry. Yeah. Make them all upgrade. Yeah, just upgrade. You'll like it better. You have to. Consumers don't know. It's not that it's a consumer's job to know what they want, you guys. We, we, we were thinking. Right. they're going to tell us. We were thinking of doing yeah. a proof of concept, but then we just call it, what, what would we just call it first-gen? Uh, also in uh, streaming news, Hulu Plus on TV apparently being tested. Uh, this is a report out of Engadget. Live streaming to iPad apparently being considered for Hulu Plus as cool. well. Love that. Yeah, I don't have Hulu Plus yet, but that might sell me on it if it goes through. Uh, yeah, so Hulu Plus, obviously, um, they, they they got dinged a bit when they lost, um, you know, the, uh, the Daily Show, yeah. Colbert, uh, what, uh, South Park? was also something they lost last year. Aren't they bringing them back yet? Uh, yeah, yeah. Good. And so I think that it, this is kind of like, hey, we're coming back with a vengeance. Hulu Plus Good. is a real contender. Um, you know, we, we want to be taken seriously. Uh, and we want you to watch us in a, in a variety of ways. So that's great for, uh, certainly for TiVo users. Um, I am not one, but I am an iPad user. It just says, you know, it, just like everybody else has figured out, like your, your Netflixes and your, and your Amazon Video On Demands have figured out that you, you have to be on every device. Yeah. Well, it certainly, it certainly gets the name out there that much more. Uh, I want to take a minute to thank FreshBooks for their support of TNT. Uh, if you're not familiar with FreshBooks and you're a small business owner or a consultant or a freelancer, it's all about making invoicing not want to give you a migraine because invoicing can be really no fun at all. But FreshBooks is a service that will stop the headache. It's like better than two Motrin. Two million users since 2004, can't be wrong. FreshBooks has a big community, and it creates professional-looking invoices. You can add your company logo to your invoices, for example. You can send your invoices out. Your clients can download a PDF of your invoices. So you have a lot of options. Uh, they can pay via PayPal. There's a few different electronic payment services, or by credit card, if that's what you prefer. Um, and they have some more bells and whistles, like automated late payment reminders, so you don't have to be the one who's calling up the company saying, will you please pay me? FreshBooks will do that for you and, and, and save you kind of an awkward conversation. Time tracking feature lets you log hours if you're an hourly rater. Um, and if you prefer the old way, for a small fee, little fee, it's like $139 per invoice or less if you buy in bulk, FreshBooks will print and mail invoices to your clients. So if you're like, hey, I'm into snail mail, they're like, cool, we'll work with you. Uh, they also have an iPhone app that helps you keep track of your work or invoices if you're an iPhone user and you're on the go. If you want to try out FreshBooks for up to three of your clients, it's free. Setting up account is a piece of cake. Just go to FreshBooks.com. They'll ask you how you heard about them, and at that point you want to say TNT because we're the ones who told you. Darren and, and Shannon, you both use FreshBooks, yes. don't yeah. you? Yeah, it's great. Huge fan of FreshBooks. I use FreshBooks to invoice Darren for my work at Hack5. And, and Darren uses FreshBooks to invoice Revision 3. Nice. <laughs> it works and very who knows, well. maybe they use it to invoice their advertisers. You it's know, great. It's worth mentioning that Tom, who's not on the show, but I think he's listening, he was at a speaking engagement in Florida, and he used FreshBooks to invoice the company that he spoke for. Huh. So it's a FreshBooks yeah, kind of, you know, it. there's a lot of I, love. You know, you know where FreshBooks is? They're right there on Dufferin Street in <gasps> Toronto. Aww. 
Yeah. Fresh Pugs. They're in Canada. Um, this is also a really important part of the Fresh Books deal every day. Now listen up. Fresh Books is giving away a birthday cake. Does it have to be my birthday to, to get it? To one of you. No, it doesn't have to be your birthday. It doesn't have to be your friend's birthday oh. or your cat's birthday or your mom's birthday. It's just a birthday cake because cake. happy unbirthday, everybody, or at least to one of you. Uh, yeah, so a day for cake. <laughs> FreshBooks draw, draws a name every day for the entire month. So if you sign up for FreshBooks, you might get a cake. <gasps> Yum. Cake makes days better. Yes. It's a proven yes. thing. You don't have mm -hmm. to bake it? Yes. Oh. So we thank FreshBooks for their support of TNT. And if you want to try them out again, FreshBooks.com is a place to go and tell them TNT sent you. On to the news feud. Mm -hmm. Winer's going to whine, and apparently Twitter's going to listen. The infamous iPhone app's new quick bar, dubbed the dick bar, has been updated following complaints that it popped up over tweets and users, and it scrolled and made everybody mad. So a Tuesday update now pins the quick bar to the top of the news feed, your Twitter news feed on the iPhone app, and no longer overlays over tweets. It now just sits above the search bar, still disappearing as you scroll down. Yay. Good game, Winer's. Good is game. That, is that a smaller dick bar now? I guess it's so. a dock bar. It's a dock. Oh, right, right, right. That wasn't my joke. I, yeah. Somebody else made that joke It'll, on Twitter. thought it was funny. Less in the way. That's <laughs> yeah. cool. The BlackBerry Playbook is shaping up to compete with the iPad in the entertainment market, at least. RIM has toured a deal with Seven Digital to provide iTunes-like music experience. The deal will give the tablet access to about 13 million pay-per-song tracks, uh, or pay-per-track songs. Songs you can buy. By the song. That's what it is. Mm. And they are, are officially due to ship out in March, although many believe that the uh, playbook may not be uh, slated for release until April. We'll Aww. see. Hmm. So you guys remember Trumpet Winsock, the yeah. shareware program that bought, brought TCPIP functionality to Windows machines back in 94 and 95? Oh, yeah. that Trumpet Winsock. downloaded from a BBS? Service. Yes, yeah. I yeah. do. So the creator, Peter Tatum says he made very little money from the program Aww. as it was widely distributed but rarely paid for. Uh -huh. Yeah, that stinks. Yeah. A group of folks over at Hacker News convinced Peter to set up a PayPal account for donations. So, if you're inclined, the account is payments at petertatum.com. That's nice of Hacker it News. Is. You know, poor Peter. You know, apparently he was just like, yeah, I didn't really... And supposedly all the magazines and stuff like included took it, took it with it their free. CDs and, Yeah, and just nothing really happened. And the Hacker News folks said need to get your due, so that's good that's for cool them. of them. I, you know, I hope Peter gets his due. Chinese-born U.S. resident, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher this name, but I'll do my best. Sixin Liu, sorry, sounds good. Sixin, yeah. <laughs> perhaps, uh, was arrested by federal agents for allegedly passing on sensitive defense-related data to China. Bad. U.S. Customs and Border Production agent seized a computer containing not-for-export sensitive data on his return from China in November. Liu had given a presentation at a technology conference in Shanghai without informing his employer. Uh, in and out of China, tricky. Tricky stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Check this out. Open Logic, providers of open source products and services, examined the code of 635 of the top mobile applications in both the Apple App Store and the Android Marketplace, and it identified 52 applications that used the Apache license, 16 that used the general public license, and yet only 29% of those apps are actually in compliance of the respective license. Basically, in short, it means that 70% of iPhone and Android apps that use open source violate their licenses. So, you know, good things, uh, and a uh, good thing, big companies w uh, who hold a license don't care about things like that. Yeah, really. Yeah. Good thing this won't be an issue yeah, for anyone course. holding a license. Whew. 
Right. <laughs> so Google is considering an appeal following a guilty verdict by a French court after a copyright infringement suit brought on by film producer Mono Dovino. The documentary makers and photographers can claim complain that Google made their work available on its search engine or Google video despite its demands for removal. Uh-oh. Google is no stranger to these complaints though. They recently won one in Spain and they lost one over in Italy. You win some, you lose some. Yep. At least when you're Google. It's two to one. Lenovo's 10-inch Android LePad tablet appears to have a new stage name. A star is born based on a new FCC filing. It's now going by the name Skylight Slate. Skylight. Which you may remember was also the name of Novo, uh, Novo, <laughs> Lenovo Smartbook. <laughs> Lenovo Skylight, come on! A smartbook that never saw the light of day. It was also called the Skylight, so maybe this one will! Same specs as what was at CES, so if you're familiar with the LePad, it's not any different. Although it probably won't appear in the U.S. until Honeycomb has been ported over. That, that will change. All right. Google has released an update to their SDK for its open source and royalty-free VP8 video codec, promising a faster encoding time and improved video quality. Now, the format hasn't changed at all, but the software around it has. And it's the second major update to the platform known as Bali. According to a Google blog post on x86 machines, Bali encodes four and a half times faster than the VA SDK uh, initial release and in best mode and about 1.35 times faster than the, the mm. previous release so uh yeah no word yet on when mpeg la's release party will take place oh but i'm sure it will it, uh, with great fanfare and cake and balloons it's good stuff yay vpa i like vpa <laughs> <laughs> well you know they do uh finally bill gates no longer world's richest man thanks <gasps> oh. to all his philanthropic work uh he's now at number two where did money go last year gates gave away 28 billion big ones to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So that leaves him with a paltry 49 billion. Oh, no. So now uh, the 88 billion net worth uh, tycoon, Mexican tycoon Carlos Slim or Slim is now uh, top dog. Slim yeah. Pickens. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I guess that guy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like the Trump at Winsock guy will have to set up a PayPal donation so that everybody can pay for, you know, the DOS 5.2 yeah. or whatever it was that they didn't pay for. Ooh, same. yeah, ooh, ooh, I even read this wrong. Carlos is only worth $60 billion. Had Gates not donated all that money, he would have been $88 billion net worth, which would have put him on top. But it goes, you know, it's worth mentioning that he's still number two. Coming at number third is Berkshire Hathaway founder Warren Buffett, who only has $47 billion to his name. Uh, so Gates, only. I mean, he can, he can give away a crap ton of money, and he's still a um, silver medal winner. Wow. Uh, this, of course, is the Forbes annual ranking, uh, which we all yeah. we yeah. all love to talk about. You lose me at billion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is a billion anyway? That's a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. Never seen that. On to the calendar. Google is going to kill Gizmo 5 VoIP on April 3rd. This is 16 oh, months after yet. acquiring Gizmo 5 and rolling out the startup engineers to its Google Voice team. Not a big surprise here, but things, they are changing. Um, also, as we mentioned earlier in the show, iOS 4.3 is go. I downloaded it to my iPad uh, this morning. Took a few tries. Initially, iTunes said, no, no, you're running the current version at 4.2.2. Uh, and eventually, it, 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 it gave me what I wanted. Not a lot of what huge do differences. What do I have to look forward to? Well, uh, Safari updates, uh, okay. AirPlay updates. Okay. So some of the stuff we talked about before, if you've got an yeah. Apple TV, kind of cool. Right. But most of it really um, is the cool stuff for um, iPhone 4 GSM folks who oh, now have the mobile hotspot. That's me. Yeah. yeah. Not you, though. Right? Verizon? Uh, 
Well, Verizon 4.3, we don't even have yet. We do have yeah. the hotspot already. Um, but oh. yeah, the GSM or the uh, CDMA phones actually don't get 4.3. Oh, not yet that's anyway. That's a bummer. Well, you know, they said 4.3 was going to come out on the 11th. So it did get released early, so maybe we'll still get that. I don't know. Maybe. Girl can dream. Um, IE9 is launching at South by Southwest in sort of a, a hipster <laughs> turn of events for Microsoft. Monday at apparently 11 p.m. Austin time, which is also a curious time because most people will be, you know, <laughs> They're gonna be doing backflips into <laughs> pools of Red Bull at that point. <laughs> um, uh, but again, they're, they're, they're hosting their own event around this. They're going to have a band and things like that. So maybe they're just, they're kind of just trying to... To, uh, to fit into the South by Southwest scene. Uh, it's worth mentioning that IE9 is only offered to users of Windows Vista and Windows 7. That's even though still almost half of Windows users are still running XP. So it applies to many of you, but not yet half of you, IE9 that is anyway. And a reminder uh, on the subject of South by Southwest that our Twit coverage is going to be awesome. We're going to be streaming Saturday and Sunday. Saturday will be uh, we'll, we'll be men and women about the town, uh, talking to folks, going to parties, being cool. And then Sunday is our big day. We are going to shoot a live episode of TNT, live episode of Twit with a uh, variety of special guests. And then we have a meetup that all happens at Momo's. That's in downtown Austin. We've got a PlanCast set up that has all sorts of timing and, and direction information. That's at PlanCast.com slash Twit. And we really hope to see you there. But if we don't, don't worry about it because we'll be streaming as much as we can live. So you can be there with us. And you don't have to get off your couch, which has its merits. Um, speaking and of merit. Speaking of merit, apparently, if you're curious to know, as we told you, Tom is on a plane eavesdropping on the show, audio only anyway, and in the chat room. But he's not able to be here because he's coming back from Florida. But you can track Tom <laughs> as he makes his way across our great nation, or at least you a go, great nation. Uh, if you don't live in the U.S., it's not your nation, but it's a good one. Looks like Tom is just crossing between oh, Louisiana and Texas. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tom, we, uh, we wish you a good flight. We salute you on this historic journey across <laughs> the country. Yes, yes. You're going to be traveling north by northwest. It's wow. kind of too bad after the watching layers. all of the, the Jammer B, uh, you know, the movement in the Jammer B tracking thing. This just kind of feels... Like he's not going anywhere. Yeah, and airplanes go so much faster yeah. than trucks. Well, maybe too. if you zoom, maybe if you zoom in a whole lot, because it looks like he's coming up on the border of Texas, just fly oh, right by. Right. Yes. You mean like this? Yeah. Well, no, no. Darren, <laughs> that plane isn't moving an inch. Something is wrong. Yes, yeah, my cursor is terrible. It's one of those new hover planes. Me. Yes, yeah. the hover plane. Anyway, Tom, get back safely. Tom will be back tomorrow, so uh, don't don't worry. Rejoice. He'll be, he'll be back. Fearless leader. Uh, let's move on to voicemails. We got a voicemail from Matt in Philly, who's got he's got a bit of an issue with 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 some love that we're giving to someone. It's true. Hi, TNT crew. Ooh. Matt from Philadelphia. Hey. Why is it you guys go on and on about Spotify when there are services in the U.S. that do this already and works just as well, like Groove Shark that works in your car? That's free on the web. Mm -hmm. That only costs twenty dollars a year if you buy a T-shirt. If you buy a T-shirt. So, what's with the love of Spotify? Thanks. Yeah, but Spotify, right? Yeah, Spotify. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Spotify. Well, I, I tried Groove Shark. Yeah. I got to say, it kind of sounds like ass. Uh, okay, so that is your reason then yeah. that Groove Shark is not just your end-all, be-all solution. Maybe it's because I tried the trial. 
and I didn't pay for it. Maybe maybe if you pay, it sounds better. But when I tried it, it sounds like MP3 encoded at 56 kilobits a second or something. Oh, really? Junk like that. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, Matt makes a good point. We do mention Spotify quite a bit. Um, you know, RDO is another alternative, at least uh, you know that I've I've used in the U.S. That that's that's very similar to Spotify. You know, they have agreements with a lot of the same big four. Um, uh, you know, music conglomerates. I think Spotify has a bit of that edge because it's this elusive service that, you know, was was maybe going to come to the U.S. or maybe not, and they kept saying, well, it will, but it's like, when? And everyone over across the pond was saying, it's the best. Yeah. Well, you it's know? also kind of like the Ubuntu to Linux Gen 2, you know? Yeah. No. <laughs> Nobody gets you. <laughs> they they no, get me in chat. They get me a, in chat. A lot of the people it's get It's not them. as obscure. Right. Well, it's, you know, music to Linux. Yeah. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the Linux of music, right? So, go. Matt, thank you. Um, it's, it's, it's true. Perhaps we love Spotify too much, but that's just because, you know, we, we, uh, well, we don't really love Spotify yeah, too you know much. What? We don't, just talk about them. Don't worry about it. Once we actually get it, we won't love it anymore. Right. Yeah, no, we'll be yeah. so yeah. over it. It's, it's <laughs> only because we can't have it. It's, yeah. Exactly. It's, well, it's, it's our white iPhone. If we tunnel through the UK, and then never mind. We also got a video uh, from Russ, who's got a bit of a, an odd issue. We'll let him tell you what it is himself. AT&T crew, I just wanted to share the plight of myself and many other thousands of Alltel customers that are switching over to AT&T in the coming weeks. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I received my brand new shiny iPhone 4. And what you'll notice is that it's turned off. That's because in the instructions that I received with it, it says, do not turn it on until the activation date. Well, for me, that's about six weeks away. So what I want to know is what sadistic fool came up with that idea, that I need to look at this, and all of us in the Plain States have never had access to the iPhone. So they send us this and expect us not to, not to try to plug it into iTunes? I don't think so. Just wanted to give you another chance to bash the wireless carriers, because I really like it when you do that. Thanks for all the hard work. Well, yeah, we deep. really like uh, that you appreciate that, Russ. Um, I, you're, you've got quite a conundrum. How can they do that? It's the same Six conundrum weeks. we have with, uh, with Spotify. It's you like know? giving you it's a new car and not giving you the keys to it. How, why would they do that? So I mean, mean, I think that this, is, I mean, this takes it a step farther than the issues with Spotify, though, because as Russ said, he's in a state, they never even had access. They couldn't yeah, but use can, an iPhone Yeah, we can get before. to the Spotify website. We just can't use it as, as we Americans. We can't hold Spotify in our hand and put it in our back pocket. Unless you printed it button. out. Well. It wouldn't work very well. No. <laughs> it would be very two-dimensional. Yes. But it would, yes. Good one. Um, yeah, I, 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 I. I don't know what would happen if you plugged it into iTunes. Probably just some sort of a generic error and couldn't uh, get much farther than it's kinda that. It's kind of like a, one of those Christmas gifts that you get. Or I don't know. You, maybe know, you, you know when your aunt sends you a Christmas gift and it comes from UPS? <laughs> no and then, you know, it, and it's like kind of don't open until... Well, whatever. You delivered it like a week early. Am I going to stick it under the tree? Maybe it'll act like an iPod Touch. You know? Maybe you, mm. maybe you can hook it up to your wireless connection and at least be able to use everything but the 3G. Or maybe it will explode. Or maybe that. Russ, don't do it. We need you to keep watching the show. Thanks for sending in the video, by the way. It's always fun yes. to see folks. Um, moving on to emails. This one is from our friend and yours, Patrick Beja, who's going to make me speak in a French accent, and here's why. He says, <clears throat> two days in a row, you have shined the cheese-shaped beacon in the sky calling for my help. 
I'm late to answer, but not because of my country's proverbial laziness, but because I was busy consulting with mimes and paved streets with cars from the 50s and accordion players in the background. See, I knew France was like that. So here you go. In episode 93, you wanted to know how to say don't open attachments in French. Nouvre palais pias juant. Thank you in advance for conveying that important message to the world. In episode 94, you, you asked, does disruptive te telephony have anything to do with France? The side owner is apparently Dan York, because no one with York in their name could have any amount of French in them. Additionally, the site looks like it was designed in 1998, which is way too advanced technology for French web designers. <laughs> You're welcome, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick, Asia. for setting the record straight. Well, how do Thank we you. say I have an eclair in my pocket in Come French? Come on, Darren. It's going to take him three more days to send okay, that. All right, all right. We're going to have to read that on air, <laughs> no, too. No, we're not. Do you have an eclair in your pocket? I do. Or... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, software. Okay, so James <laughs> writes us and says that over last couple of weeks, he's heard numerous friends report that they've been receiving calls from Microsoft technicians responding to a fault, uh, fault report that they, uh, you know, issued by clicking the send to Microsoft or uh, report to Microsoft button after a crash. Well, then they, they basically took them through a supposed fault-finding tour at, on their computers, you know, checking out logs and stuff, and then the end result is do you have a credit card and offered them protection for $190 a year? Well, of course, he told his friends not to give them the credit card details, nor visit any site that they asked them to. Or, and, and in fact, he recommended they just hang up and say, say the mommy's not home, right? Well, <laughs> the upshot is that he received a call nearly days from telling his friends about this uh, from a charming um, Indian fellow, and he, that explained that he was a Microsoft technician mm -hmm. and that he uh, had seen the reports of his Windows OS and that he was having some issues. And he explained to the guy that his biggest issue was he was running Mac OS. And immediately the phone was disconnected. Yikes. Yeah. Oh. So, um, it's weird. These, uh, so I guess Silver he, he, so he kind of figures that, uh, yeah. Really? So I guess he figures that somehow somebody's got a database of names somewhere and is, uh, you know, Calling up to say, is your refrigerator running? I mean, is your Windows running? Which, of course, it isn't. But I mean, it's very scary. It's yeah, probably it some sort of shared database. I mean, can you imagine someone saying, hey, we've heard you've had problems with your Windows OS. Why, yes, that's because I use OS X. Mm. That's my big problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bye. And yeah. then the guy hangs up. Kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, rule Maybe of thumb, a... do not give information to anyone who calls you and claims that they work for anyone. No. Ever. Only if you're calling them and you know the number off the website or the back of your credit card or whatever. Never when they call you. Absolutely. Mm -mm. Um, that brings us to the end of our show. Thanks so much to Shannon Morse for joining us. Thank you, Sarah. Where can we find more about you for anyone who wants to know? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at snubs or hack5.org. Cool. Darren, yes. Hack 5 as well for you. JK, the number five, and i got to let everybody know that they are welcome to join us for our Season 9 launch party <gasps> this April right. 2nd, Saturday, April 2nd, at the Hotsi Totsi Club here in the East Bay in San Francisco. Nerd nerdcore rappers, yeah. Dale Ooh, Chase fun. and Dualcore are going to be rapping some nerdcore. It'll be fun. Am I invited? You're, of course you're invited. Okay, no. just making sure. I uh, wanted to remind everybody that Tom will be back tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, TNT at twit.tv is where you can email us. And 260-TNT-SHOW. What's the area code? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's 260. I'll put it up. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> it's 260. And I went out with a whimper. It was a good show, though. Yay!